Well, we are obviously so, so uh, grateful for moms, and thank you guys so much. Thank you for kidding, putting up with us as kids and putting us up with us as husbands, right? Um, remember, remember the words of Jesus, right? Uh, when we make you crazy, forgive them for we know not what we do. <laughs> I was thinking about my mom, and uh, I have a picture of me and my mom from many moons ago. Um, <laughs> uh, so... This is my family back circa 1982, uh, and clearly I am mom's favorite because I am sitting in her lap with my chubby white legs. Um, anyway, I'm thankful for my mom. Uh, <laughs> some people are like, whoa. Uh, you can take that off now, thanks. <laughs> I'm so grateful for my mom and my dad being in this church. I'm grateful for Christy's mom and dad being in church. We, we are so grateful that we get to do life with our with our family in such a way, and, and, and I know that you guys are thankful for your moms and your special ways and, and all the things that are uh, uh, just a blessing. And, I, and like Micah said, though, we do know and acknowledge that it's not always easy for everybody on a day like today, but, um, but man, uh, we do want to say we're thankful. Well, uh, before I get into today's message, next week I wanted to share with you what we're starting. We're starting a new series, um, and it's called Jesus, <laughs> the answer to every Sunday school question you know, uh, Jesus, right? And here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus, he changed everything about everything, didn't he? He changed everything about everything, and we want to just kind of talk about the life of Jesus. We want to talk about the teachings of Jesus. We won't even talk about the people that have problems with Jesus, because here's the truth, is that no matter if you believe in Jesus as the Son of God or not, the, the truth remains that he did change everything about everything because everything changed after him. Everything in the world changed, history changed, everything changed. And so we are not just going to talk about all the things that he did to change the world, but we want to talk about what it looks like to live the gospel. We say that a lot around here, live the gospel. And what that means for us is that we're going to live a life in which we understand the story of Jesus and we're going to follow in the ways of Jesus and follow his teachings. And so as we explore the life of Christ, the teachings of Christ over the next who knows however many weeks and months that we'll do this. Um, we'll just see kind of how God will really, I believe he's going to just really uh, do a deep work, a deep, continue to do a deep work within us. And so we're very excited. That starts next week. So let's get to today. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Luke 5. We'll be there in a few minutes. I'll probably reference a few verses before we get there, but they'll be on the screen. But we're going to spend most of our time in Luke chapter 5 today. And uh, here's what we've been hoping and exploring in this whole series that we've called Drenched, is that we want to be drenched in the power and the presence of God. That we, and, and when we say that, we, we say that in a hope and anticipation that through prayer, we believe through prayer that God will draw us deeper, and that when we go deeper, we'll have no other desire in our heart other than to worship him. So these last number of weeks have been about how do we become a people, and how do we grow in our worship, not just in singing songs, but in a life of worship in all aspects of who we are. And it makes me think of Psalm 63.1. Uh, I love this verse. I think about it often. And it says this, God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My body, my flesh yearned for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. My soul, it thirsts for you, God. This, is, this verse represents a hope, I think, for a lot of us. A hope that we would actually live a life in which we have a soul that's thirsting for God, a flesh, a body that's yearning for him. And so we're going to get into that a little bit today. But on Mother's Day, it's not just about our, our mothers if we are married. It's also about our wives, right? And I think about my wife, and I think about uh, what God is doing with us. And Christy and I have been married for 17 years, working on eight 
It's not like I said 70 years, 17. <laughs> that is funny. Anytime somebody's speaking and they say how long they've been married, there's always a cheer. I love, it's great. Uh, we were working on 18, and our story's like anyone else. We got married right out of college. I say anyone else. A lot of people's, we got married right out of college, ready to tackle life. And anybody in here that's married or has been married, uh, you know, you, you had, you know, the, fir the first year's a little rough. There's a lot of ups and downs, you know what I'm saying? And maybe you have some good moments, some not so good moments. We have mostly good moments. Christy and I don't, we don't fight a lot. We don't, we're pretty good. But we had some not so good moments. And I told this story at Devoted, so if you weren't there, but our marriage concert earlier year, then if you were there, you'll enjoy hearing it again. So we, in our first year, we, uh, we were about to have some people over at our house. It happened to be, I was leading a small group of high school guys, and they were coming over to our house for dinner. And Christy was making chili, as she does, right? And so she's making chili, and she had cleaned the house and everything. She was amazing. Like, she did everything, and I come in, and I did something really dumb. This is what husbands do, by the way. And we did some, I did something really dumb in which I, I, I saw a pile of things on the, on the counter, and the thing about the pile of things which I didn't know then is that if it's in process, it stays on the counter, it does not go away. You know what I mean? If it's mail that's not quite finished or bills that haven't quite, or if it's a list that's in process, it stays there neatly piled in there. And I didn't know this. And so what I saw was, hey, let's just get everything off the counter. We're cleaning the house. People are coming over. She's like, she's like what did I say? She's clean. The house is perfect except for this one pile, right? And I didn't comment on the perfect house. I commented on the pile. Are you with me? And so I commented on the pile, and she's holding the, the, the whole, the whole, what do you call it, P pot of chili, holding it as I'm being a dumb husband. And it, she just snapped, and she threw the pot of chili at me. And so I'm, by the way, I'm like a cat, and I moved really quick. So I move out of the way, and the chili splatters over the floor. And at this moment, we go, what did we do? You know what I mean? So we quickly scoop the chili back into the pot and 15 minutes, <laughs> 15 minutes later, my small group guys, they're enjoying some homemade chili. Here's the deal, I asked Christy if I can tell that story. It, it, what I love about it is, <clears throat> there's a couple things, that, this is a funny story. By the way, we still have that pot and it has a dent in it to remind us of that incredible day. Um, <laughs> goodness. I said that story because our marriage actually now is, is even then it was, but it's stronger than ever, and, I, and I'm not as dumb as I, I don't think I'm as dumb as I used to be. And, and we don't argue about as many meaningless things, and, and in fact, I think we love each other more than we ever have. I, I'm pretty positive of that. And, and today, we, we live a life in which we're trying to figure out how to follow God, and we're trying to figure out how to continue to be faithful to Him, and she's an amazing mother and an amazing wife, and she... She never lets a moment pass with our kids. Everything's intentional. Everything's like, a, like she's trying like always to make, it's just unbelievable how she is with our kids and as a wife. And, 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 and then on top of all that, we're like in this season of life where we see God doing all these things that we can't really explain. And, and today I can say that Christy and I are living, are living the dream, but I say it this way a lot of times. It's just the dream that we never had. And what I mean by that, it's not the dream that we made up, it's the dream that we just kind of found ourselves living into. And it makes me think of, stay with me, 1 Corinthians 2.9, and we're going to get to Luke 5 in a second, when it says, no, my, no eye can see, no mind can imagine what God has prepared for those who love them. And what I, what, a lot of people, that's, that's about eternity, but eternity hasn't, isn't someday, eternity is now, isn't it? Eternity has already begun, we're in the midst of eternity. Therefore, I see this in the present tense as well, that we can live a life that we can't even imagine. That's what I mean by living the dream we never had. It's a life that we didn't even see coming, and that's what the gospel does. 
It's a life in which I think we live in such a way in which we're going to cry out, hopefully. Earnestly, I seek you, my soul, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh yearns for you. When I think about how our marriage has grown over the years, it's grown deeper and it's grown in maturity, and it keeps growing deeper and deeper, and I don't mean that in any, like, oh, look at us way. That's not what the point is. It's this, it gave me this picture of what our love relationship with the Father not only should look like, but it should even look like more so with God and with Jesus, that over the years our relationship with Jesus should be growing, right? Deeper and deeper. We're not as dumb as we used to be. That it should be growing deeper and deeper in which we love each other more than we ever have and that our capacity for love should be expanding and our, our maturity should be going deeper and deeper. And when I think about our love relationship with God and with Jesus, I think for a lot of us that we wouldn't say that that is the truth. If I was going to say, how does your, your relationship with God feel today versus maybe years ago, a lot of us would say it doesn't feel really all that different. It feels different in some ways, and some of us would even probably say, I, I miss a part of my relationship with Jesus that I used to have that somehow I, I can't find anymore. I don't feel as intimate as I used to with Jesus. And so whenever we talk about is your love relationship with the Father growing and becoming more intimate, it's sort of a mixed bag for a lot of us. Now, I say this, and we have this picture in Scripture of a life beyond imagination. I don't mean like a thrill ride, right? Like it's better than anything because life is full of pain and full of, full of challenges and life isn't easy. But I'm talking about a life where God's presence is on your life so deeply that his love and his power are so apparent in your life and so active in your life that you can't even really describe what's going on in your life. That doesn't mean that there's not pain and there's not struggle. It just means that his, God, his power and his presence are so over your life that you can't quite describe it. It's kind of like what it says in Habakkuk 1.5, which we've, we've referenced this a few times, and I love this picture, where it says this. It says, look and be amazed, for God is doing something in our days that even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Now, this is the kind of life that I don't know about you, but that, that's what I want. Are you with me? Like, this is what I want to talk about today, by the way. So we got everywhere to this point to say that even if I told you about what God's doing, you wouldn't believe it. It's so amazing. It's, it's, it, it'll blow your mind. And this verse isn't about the stuff that God gives us. This verse isn't about, you know, the God giving us the desires of our hearts. This is a verse about the power and presence of God on us so deeply that it's unexplainable. And it's, and it's hard to even describe for those who don't understand it. So, today I want this to be a huge encouragement for all of us who want to love the Lord, as we even said earlier with our child dedication, to love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Like, what does that look like? So remember, I said Luke 5, and Jesus, remember when Jesus called the disciples, specifically Peter, and he's, they're out there fishing, and he said, what does he say to them? He says, drop your nets, right? Follow me. Well, there's a little more to that story in Luke 5 we're going to get into for just a few minutes. So we're going to start in verse 1 and a little bit of the details of the story of the calling of Peter and the other disciples. Starting in verse 1, it says this, one day as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. So one of these fishermen, by the way, is a guy named Simon, who would later become known as Peter. So we know this is a pretty important moment just because of that. 
Jesus sees the, these fishermen washing their nets, and we'll read a verse in a moment where it talks about how they had been out all night fishing and had caught nothing, which is not a, bad, not, not, a, not a good thing, right? It's a bad night when you spend your whole evening or your whole overnight hours fishing and not catching a thing, which is basically how it goes when I go fishing, you know what I'm saying? And so Simon Peter is washing his net, which <clears throat> during this time, if you're a fisherman and you're washing your net, it means that you're probably done fishing for some time. You're not getting back out there anytime soon. Probably because he was annoyed, he was frustrated, he was like, there's no fish, they aren't biting, whatever. I guess you're not really using bait, but you get it. And so he puts his nets, he's washing his nets to put them down for a while. And then in verse 3 it says this, He got into one of the boats, he being Jesus, the one belonging to Simon, always intentional, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So the people are standing on the shore, he's sitting in the boat. He's teaching them. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, or as I like to say, Simon says, Master, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come up and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. I mean, of course this happened, right? This is Jesus. He's telling them to let down. It's not like they're going to let down the nets, and he's like, oh, man, I was hoping you'd catch something that time. It was like he knew what was about to happen. This is Jesus, and he's like, hey, just put it in over there. And of course they get the biggest catch they've ever seen in their life, And then the Sea of Galilee, now, the thing that's really interesting about this story is that Jesus tells them to go where? He tells them to go into the deep water and to drop their nets into the deep part of the water, not into the shallow water, which is where most fishermen go fishing because they understand that that's the easiest place to catch the fish. In the Sea of Galilee, fishermen understood that fish would come up at night into the shallows. That's the easiest way to catch them. And then that's where you would, so you would fish at night, you'd fish in the shallows. And he was saying, it's already noon, by the way afternoon, Jesus says, go in the middle of the day, heat of the day, and drop your nets into the deep water. This is not the way you do it. I want to show you a couple pictures. This first picture is really great. I didn't draw it, but um, this is what's called a dragnet, and this makes sense, doesn't it? So these 10 guys, have, have, they, they are pulling on this huge net, and they're catching not very many fish, maybe looks like six, um, and they're going to catch these fish, right, by pulling in, but where are they standing? They're standing on the shore, aren't they? They're standing on the shore, and they're pulling in this, dra- this drag net to catch fish. Now, they can also do this by maybe if they want to be in the water a little deeper out, they get two boats, and they do it, but they, they, they eventually pull up to the shore to get the fish in. Let me go to the next picture. This is the other way they would fish, where there would be a guy, and he would, by himself, be fishing. Now, here's what I want to do today is be a little different. I want you to just reflect on this picture for a minute. I want you to think about it and kind of make some observations on your own about what you see from this artist's rendition of an of a, of a ancient fisherman, right? And how a fisherman uh, did things way back in the days of Scripture, and even really not that many, many years ago, and in some places around the world still to this day. So think for a moment, and then I want you to tell one of your neighbors one observation that you see in this picture that's just interesting to you, all right? Are you ready? Making you think. Tell someone next to you 
one observation. Real good. Go ahead. All right. Well, first of all, first of all, besides the fact that he looks like he's wearing jorts that are rolled up, which is awesome. Um, <clears throat> he's in the shallow water, which was an easy observation, right? He's in the shallow water. He's got a big net. It's probably hard to throw for some people. Not for me, but for some people it would be hard. <clears throat> so it's a hard, hard to throw this net that he's got in front of him. It takes a lot of effort. He's by himself, isn't he? Uh, no one else is with him. Uh, and he's hoping that every time he throws that net out, it's kind of a hope, right? Like, I hope wherever this net lands, there's going to be a few fish that I can pull in, and then I'm going to do it again because i got to catch more than a few, right? So he's, this is a lot of work, right? This is something that's going to take some time. And he's doing it all <clears throat> under his own strength. So this is how fishermen were taught to fish, right? They would do this all night long, either with a team of people in a dragnet kind of situation or by themselves with a net and their God-given strength, right? And when Jesus told Peter to put out into the deep, it was already in the middle of the day. And he tells them to do something that every fisherman of the day would say, that's not the way you do it. But here we have Jesus inviting Simon to do life differently than what he had previously done. So we gotta think about that. First of all, Jesus shows up into Simon's life and the first thing he tells him to do is something different than something he already understood that he should do. We have Jesus inviting Simon to get out of the shallow water and get into the deep water, right? We have, we have Jesus inviting Simon to quit trying to do it all under his own strength and to actually trust him with something. Are you with me? So there's all this stuff happening right in this story and here we have Jesus and, and inviting Simon to quit doing it under his own strength, but he's asking him to trust him. By the way, we like being in the shallows in life most of the time. It is a lot easier. It's a lot more predictable. But here we have Jesus, as he does so often, inviting us deeper, inviting Simon deeper and deeper. He says, go into the deep water. And he wants the same for you and me. He actually wants us in over our head. He wants us with the title here. He wants us drenched, right? Because it's, it's only when that happens that we can actually start to see things the way he wants us to see them. We actually start to see life in a different way. And he begins to change our paradigm. And he actually begins to let us see the world with a new set of eyes because we've actually done something different than the way we thought we ought to do it. And we did it the way that maybe Jesus called us to do it. So here's, here's what I want us to start understanding today is life with Jesus in the deep water is, is, is a lot better than being in the shallows trying to do it all on our own. You get that? Life in over our head, but with Jesus is a lot better than being in the shallows trying to do it all on our own. Go back to this picture, if you will, uh, of the fisherman throwing a net. Here's, here's the thing that I, that I think about when I think of this picture. I also think about the way that I've lived my life with Jesus that I'm out there with Jesus trying to do the work 
And some of you are going you're gonna to be with this. So, this is going to be you in, in so many different ways. But you're in a situation where you can sort of control it. You sort of control the situation and the outcomes. It's a lot under your own strength. And you desperately, though, want to feel, see if anybody was with me, you desperately want to feel the powerful, exhilarating experience of God's power in your life. And so you keep throwing it out there, hoping to pull some sort of spiritual gold back in. We'll, let's, we'll stay in the fishing sort of, like hoping to some spiritual fish some, or some goldfish back in, right? You get it. Some goldfish back. You're trying to get something pulled back in. You're trying to pull a miracle back in. And I know... It's like I try and throw, I don't know if this makes a lot of sense to you, but I think so often with God and with Jesus, I try and throw my net out really hard, hoping to pull in a miracle. Do you know what I'm saying? But God isn't saying to throw your net further or faster. He's saying, let's do this differently. Let's do it differently than you thought you were supposed to do it. Come out into the deep with me. Just drop your net. It's like he's made the invitation way simpler than we think it is. It's almost like he's saying, if we were going to kind of continue the story, like, hey, pray boldly and worship greatly. Pray boldly and worship greatly. And like, this is what he's saying. It's an invitation to a deeper life, one where people are who are still standing in the shallows won't quite get. And you'll say, even if I told you, you wouldn't even believe it. And I'm personally wrestling with what this means in an everyday sense. And, and what I mean by that is, how do I live a life where loving the Lord with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength is happening every day? How do I, how do I live my life where I'm constantly thirsting for a living God? Has anybody ever wondered this? Like, how do I live a life every day where I have the spiritual stamina to keep praying bold prayers. <laughs> where I don't treat prayer like an event, like, oh, we're having, a, we're having a prayer service, or we're having a prayer <laughs> two weeks, or whatever. And it's not an event, but we're, we're treating it like it's an invitation to drop our nets into the deep. That prayer becomes something different to us, right? where I live a life where I truly breathe and live in such a way where I'm worshiping God every day. I, I struggle with this, like, how do you, because I don't know about you, and this is what, I, this is what I, I hope that you catch today. We can experience the Lord in such a way that it's almost like the classic statement is like a mountaintop experience, like a spiritual high. We have this spiritual high in which we feel God in some really great ways. And then all of a sudden, like next day or next week or next month, we're back to our normal life. And in that season of high, we're like praying bold prayers. We're like worshiping unashamed. But then all of a sudden, right? All of a sudden, next week or next month, we're like back to normal where there's no bold prayers. There's unashamed worship is absent. And we feel like, what? What just happened? Why do I not feel what I felt before? And in those moments, I wonder, am I supposed to just muster up enough spiritual energy to kind of keep throwing the net again? Are you with me now? Are you with me? See, when I say, are you with me, if you're really with me, you say it. If you're not, then I need to back up and do this all again. Are you with me? Yes. Because here's what, I, here's what I know, is that I know so many of us, we find this 
this, this battle between, okay, I want, we're saying, hey, we want to live in the power and presence of God, and then we find ourselves waking up one day going, I'm just not feeling it. What does that mean? Is it, is it all based on just if we're feeling it? Or is there some other invitation that Jesus has made? Because maybe we have to do something different. He's not saying it throw it farther or faster or more, more often. He's saying maybe it's time to just drop your nets altogether and to do something different. So how, does, how do we live constantly drenched by the power and presence of God? Well, first of all, I'd say it's not overnight, right? It's like marriage. It grows in love and depth and maturity over time. And this is what will happen with the Lord. And I'm about done, and so our worship team's going to come, but I, I do want to hear, hear me say, perhaps we could say it this way today, that we need to get out of the shallows and into the deep. And maybe it's time. Maybe it's time he's inviting you deeper, but he's saying, I'm not, I'm, I'm not asking for more effort. I'm asking for different effort. And that's what we've been saying over the last number of weeks, is that what if you prayed differently? What if you worshiped differently? Maybe it's time to worship him differently. Maybe it's time to start dropping our nets into the deep. By the way, dropping our nets sounds a lot easier than throwing our nets, doesn't it? What did Jesus say? He says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Cast your cares upon me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That sounds like a life of dropping nets and not throwing nets. That sounds like a life in which you're saying, I'm, I'm not trying to survive in the shallows on my own, but I'm actually just going to trust Jesus. I'm going to cast my cares upon him. This is what I believe when it comes to a life where we would declare, look and be amazed, for God is doing something amazing in our days that even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. I actually believe that if we want to be drenched, if we want to be in the power and the presence of God, it may be time for some of us to do it differently. It may be time for some of us to say, you know what? I've been standing around the shallows trying to do this on my own, under my own strength. I've even been trying to pull in miracles of God, just hoping that through the efforts that I make that I'm going to somehow experience the exhilarating miracle of God. And he's like, no, the only way you experience the miracle of God is to, is to not do it, actually, and to just go and trust me in a different way. And what does that mean? Does that mean do nothing? No, that doesn't mean do nothing. It means pray boldly, worship greatly. It means will you continue to just pray boldly, worship greatly. Quit trying to do other things to compensate for your lack of bold prayers and your lack of worship. And that's what I feel in my life is that I, I negate the thing that is, is the deep things that he's already called me to. I don't want to go in the deep. I want to go back into the shallows where I can just work harder and feel like I'm doing what I need to do with God instead of just going, you know what, God, I can't do anything, so I'm just going to pray boldly. I'm going to worship you greatly. I'm just going to pray boldly. I'm going to worship you greatly because I can't, I can't think of any other way that I can solve this problem that I constantly got, find myself going up and down with you. I find myself on the mountaintop and I find myself in the pit and I'm trying to figure out what's the problem. And it's because I've been splashing around in the shallows all my life trying to make it happen. And God's saying, will you just drop your nets? <laughs> will you just follow me? Are you with me now? So let's pray together, can we? Father, we pray. We pray that as we take this word today, that, Lord, if there's something that we need to do differently today, that, Lord, you would seal that in our heart, that, Lord, we would start 
praying boldly. We would continue to pray boldly. We would push through like it's not an event, but it is a calling to the deep that we would worship you greatly because we want to be in the power and the presence of our God. God, Lord, we love you so much. I pray for anybody in here that needs that needs you today in such a way that they would say, I can feel your presence and your power. I pray that today you pull them further into the, into the deeper end of what you want for their life. Right now, before we sing, if today, you don't even have to do anything, I'm just gonna ask you a question. If today you would say, it's, I do need to get out of the shallows and into the deep, and I need to see it as a different calling than just to work more. Because it's not more effort, it may be different effort for you. If that's you today, would you just say, Lord, I just, I do want this. I do want more of you. I do want to be in your power and your presence. Would you say something like that to him today? Would you just say a prayer on your own? I don't even want to give you the words to say, but just say something to him. Father, we pray. Pray in the name of Jesus. The Lord, you would continue to bring us into the place that you want us to be, into a, a place of intimate, great worship of you and great faith in our prayers. And that would transform us to be the people that can look around and say, this, is, this isn't the dream I had, it's, it's beyond the dream I had. This, this isn't, if I even if I told you all that God was doing, you wouldn't believe it, it's so amazing. And God, I just pray that over our church body, I pray that over each person here today. I pray all these things in your name.